Has the Pope left his job to replace Jay in five? Answer me this, answer me this. Why have my shares in Findus taken a dive? Answer me this, answer me this. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Well, I guess it's just another one of those weeks where the only thing everyone can talk about is David Snedden. <laughs> 52 weeks a year. <laughs> uh, well, John in Birmingham has written in to say, uh, you seem very clued up about David Snedden. Well, not really, but I was very clued up on the first series of Fame Academy, which I used to watch obsessively. We've always liked to dip a toe into the pop cultural waters, I think. Yes. Speak for yourselves. Martin doesn't, because Martin cannot swim. So John in Birmingham says, Helen, answer me this. Uh, what happened to Alex Parks, the winner of the second series? After a couple of really good singles and an excellent second album, she just seemed to vanish. It seems after her amazing second album, she retired from the music industry. She didn't really like it or they weren't making enough money out of her. And one of you listeners wrote to us relatively recently, I can't remember why, to tell us that Alex Parks was working in a cafe in Cornwall. What about that one who was a bit like Pete Doherty? Do you remember that? Yeah, Peter Brame. He went up with Fern Cotton and Did then he? disappeared. So he's probably still in her house somewhere looking he was, for the exit. That was. I didn't watch Fame Academy, but as much as I sort of followed what was happening in the magazines and stuff, my, my understanding of that situation was, here's a man who dresses like Pete Doherty, therefore... He's the same as Pete Doherty because he's got the same haircut. Was hat. It, did Lamar do Fame Academy? Yes, yes he, he did. did yeah. He's he was quite successful. Probably the most credible out of Fame Academy, I'd For say. a while, but yeah. where is he now? He's probably in the cafe with Alex Parks filling up the ketchup bottles. Yes, but he's the manager. Alex yeah. Parks is mm, merely a temp. He's probably the original manager by now. Isn't it weird that we don't remember at all, really, David Stenden and Alex Parks? We have to Google them to uh, help our memories. And yet, the likes of Jedward and the Cheeky Girls are household names still. It's better to be the joke candidate, isn't it? It really is. That- I mean, if Alex Parks sat on my face, I wouldn't recognise her. She wouldn't, though, because she's not into men. You're right. And that is the only reason. Otherwise, obviously, she'd feel compelled to do so. All lesbians are invisible to Ollie Man. <laughs> Hi, this is Oliver from Salisbury. Um, Helen and Ollie, answer me this. How were the animals of the Chinese zodiac chosen? An appropriate question for this time of year, of course, because it is Chinese New Year, as it is for weeks. Happy yes. New Year. What's that about? Why does that go on for weeks, where everyone else's New Year is a day? Because there are a lot of delicious dim sum to eat at that time. <laughs> you can have a, a lovely mooncake with a preserved egg in it. It seems to be quite difficult to find out why the particular animals have been chosen. Some say it's because astrology and that's what the constellations look like. And then others say, no, it wasn't astrology at all. It was Buddha who made all the animals uh, assemble to clear up the world and only 12 of them showed up. Which is the 12 in the Zodiac. Okay. Which is a lot more plausible even than astrology. Seems to me that a lot of this kind of Chinese calendar stuff was done so that you can take the attributes of people that you know and say they were born in this year, therefore they're a bit like a snake. Yes, because as a rooster, Ollie, born in 1981, you are extremely sociable. Correct, right? Yeah. And prefer being the centre of attention, warmer. (laughs) Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Always bragging about themselves and their accomplishments. They continually seek the unwavering attention of others. At the Ollie Man. Which can be annoying. (laughs) Right. Uh, But it's less accurate for mine, I think. It says that good career fields for monkeys, born in 1980, are accounting and banking, (laughs) air traffic controller, dealer, but it doesn't say of what, scientist, engineer, stock market trader. Well, actually, I'm laughing, Helen. 
It could be that you are in just completely the wrong line of work. Well, great news, though, for the uh, Chinese New Year, but also just for February. We have a special promotion going with Audible. That's right. What better way to celebrate the Chinese New Year than with your choice of a free audiobook from over 80,000 available? Freebies. Freebies. We strongly recommend because it's like reading, but easier. That's right. We know you like listening to people talking. Because you're doing it right now. Now you can do that and sound learned. When you talk about what you've heard instead of when you've just listened to this trivial shit. Yeah. If you think, oh, I like free things, I like audiobooks, uh, just hop along to answermethispodcast.com slash audible. And if you do that, you are supporting Answer Me This, so we'll be very grateful, and you'll be very grateful to yourself for having the acumen to download a free audiobook. Do you have a particular title that you're uh, keen to get on with? I am quite keen to listen to Frank Langella's memoirs, not because I'm very familiar with the work of the actor Frank Langella, but because he shagged everybody in Hollywood. Is the title To Be Frank? Oh, I don't know. It should be, because it sounds, if it's going to be a sexual confession, that would be a good title, but I bet Mm. every Frank thinks should the title of my autobiography be to be frank sinatra side bottom yeah skinner and then once you've done it you can't then nick another frank (laughs) i don't think Anne frank's got an audiobook helen for obvious reasons she's not narrated it herself if there is one no but i agree i I think um once you've once you've done it then you can't you can't (laughs) um there's also uh 50 shades of gray is now an audiobook ladies that that was i listened to uh, a bit of that because you can listen to extracts before you uh, choose your book and um it sounded like the narrator was slightly mocking the material and not being the finest literature well but yeah but how do you read that kind of steamy claptrap well, without sounding a bit like you're having fun the bit i heard wasn't even steamy it was someone driving a car oh it was such a great car she loved the powerfulness <laughs> of the car as she drove it along the road the big road you too could be listening to that for free listeners if yeah. you take this promotion here's a question from elliot who says i have been in a queue before wow in good fa- story slow <laughs> hand clap in fact i was in one today oh my god it's an even better story than i thought i was being sarcastic answer me this ollie what is the longest queue ever? It, this is a very tricky question, actually. Harder than it appears, because how do you judge the longest queue? Is it the amount of people God. or the amount of time? If I'd known this question was going to be tricky, then I would have uh, nixed it on grounds of being very unrewarding, even if you can answer it. Uh, if it's how many people... I think it should be how many people. Okay. Yeah. Because um, you could queue by yourself outside the Apple Store for 200 days before the new iPhone Well, exa- I was going to use that as an example, yeah, because exactly... But the- that's just where you live. You live on the street outside the Apple Store. But anyway, uh, in terms... In terms of the amount of people rather than time, uh, WaterAid did a publicity stunt where they mm. tried to do the world's longest queue for a toilet. Oh, um, no. The problem is these people weren't even really queuing to use the toilet. Well, if they were, it would have been disgusting. Well, they would have needed to use the toilet eventually. Yeah, that's true. You can't fake a queue. Well, this is the- But they did. But they did. All around the world, various like rotary clubs and stuff did it. Uh, there was one group in India, in particularly in Bhopal, 1,500 people queued for a toilet to raise awareness. But actually... That's stupid. Well, and also, queues to get into, like, say, the Olympic Stadium, that would be 100,000 people, wouldn't it? So then you think, well, that's not the longest queue, is it? How do you... What about the long march? It's not a queue because they're marching. Yeah, but they're getting somewhere and they've got to wait to get there. No, but queuing, you have to stand. What about the, the XR from Egypt? That's, again, it's not a queue. You need the world's to, longest queue. Trying to get to the promised land. You need them to be queuing, Martin, not walking. <laughs> and Moses issued everyone a fast pass. <laughs> if you got a question, got a question, email your question, question to answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. Answer me this podcast at Google Mile.com
here's a question from Ed from Oxford who says, Ollie, answer me this. Why are those cellophane fortune-telling thingies that you get in crackers always in the shape of a fish? Uh, now, for those of you who think we might be talking about Jacob's crackers there, uh, we're not. We're talking about bits of cellophane, cellophane shaped like a fish that come in Christmas crackers. Yeah, you put them in your hand and they curl up according to your mood, but really presumably according to the heat of your hand. Yeah, well, according to uh, molecules, basically. Oh, what? They're made of sodium polyacrylate. Uh, and that means that they just grab onto water molecules so it, it depends how watery and wh- how sweaty. humid the area is around it yeah so if you're sweaty mm. if your hands are clammy if you've just been touching water it's going to curl up differently which is why it appears to react differently to different people Whereas actually it's the different atmospheres of of their hands oh that's interesting actually. you could use that as a tester for if you're going to get a damp clammy handshake you'd be like hold it there yeah. just got to test you yeah i'm not going near that but as for why they're shaped like fish uh, it's very hard to find out that i imagine yeah. it's just that it needs to be roughly that size for yeah. it to curl up and that shape it can't be too wide so exactly so it's going to be just a square otherwise and it's just more fun to cut it into a novelty shape and i suppose a fish is very easy isn't it yeah. two triangles at the end round thing at the end easy some some little decorative scales you can make a snowman that would be more christmas yeah that's too round that's true but then the snowman would be odd in red wouldn't it rocket mm. or a uh, rasher of bacon that wouldn't be too odd in red or cock and balls actually yes oh business that's idea that's Ollie. <laughs> the rude cracker industry adultmysteryfish.com yeah. What, yeah what's your destiny well it looks like you've got a curly cock <laughs> <laughs> no but actually you could do one that sort of prophesied how well you do in bed in, in a kind of kiss and tell type way so at the end of the oh. dinner party fruity adult dinner party not the kind of thing we'd enjoy but you know <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about a product we can sell here yeah. at the end of the meal people once they've had a few drinks get out the mystery fish yeah. in the shape of the cock and balls oh, John can't get it up exactly oh, oh, oh. yeah exactly yeah that and you find out everyone's people. proficiency in the sack from how the cock and balls curls yuck with the right packaging and summer's packaging. Christmas time no. eh? 6 99 you could sell that mm. and that's that, ingenious the cost of what 20p a penny yeah, that's yeah. one of your better mad ideas <laughs> really quite good my sister-in-law makes bespoke crackers she's not a very bawdy person but maybe she could be convinced to uh, make that her side adult range just yes. slip in a cock I'm actually I'm, I'm interested in sort of business side projects this year so you know oh, yeah. I might I might sniff that one out why don't you see what other things curl up when you put them in someone's wet hand Not <laughs> a whole range well, here's something else that's uh, wet and bendy. A tongue. Uh, this is from Chris from Cardiff, Australia, who says, Sell and answer me this. What benefit is there in kissing with tongues? That's such an incredibly results-driven way of looking at it. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you could say, what benefit is there in foreplay, I suppose? Yeah. You Am know. I going to see a quarterly rise? No. <laughs> what is the point of a person? As a 20-year-old, he says, who's never been able to poke my tongue out. They should have a benefit for you. I've got a really short tongue as well. And you call it tong. I can't say the word because it's when so, you say, put, so little. Put your tongue out now. What, how far? Full extent. You've just said you've got a little one. That's not little, that's normal. No, I, 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 that He only put that, that far out to impress you. I mean, <laughs> his normal natural range would be uh, much shorter. I could barely reach my teeth. Oh, no. He's going to go to the orthodontist now. <laughs> I'll be like, what have you done? I was trying to impress my friend. Show him what big tongue I have. Just look out of my tongue. Uh, anyway, Chris says, uh, I've never been able to poke my tongue out. And I've never had the opportunity to kiss a girl passionately enough to require tongues. Again, the use of the word require seems to suggest a slightly scientific way of looking at the motions of love. Release the tongue! (laughs) Uh, So I don't really understand, he says, the utility or the appeal of getting the tongue involved. You should find a girl who's got a really long tongue and then this wouldn't be a problem. Why so? 
Well, because they would make up the shortfall. I don't think that's true, uh, because I think someone with a very long tongue will be very disappointed with someone who has a very shallow tongue mm. in response. No, I reckon they might enjoy the fact that they are the tongue dominator. Oh, yeah. the tongue top. So actually, Chris, what you'd have to do is be like, oh, your tongue makes my tongue look so small. Oh, it's so dainty, my tongue. <laughs> Maybe. It's not something you hear much about, feeling inadequate because of your tongue size. No, it's not. It's also not really something you hear that much, people questioning the nature of French kissing very much. But uh, yeah. I suppose it is a sort of accepted thing, isn't it? As a child, you question it. I remember asking my mum if I could kiss her like they kiss on Dynasty. <laughs> uh, well, after you've thrown her into a fish pond and stolen all her diamonds. Yeah, and uh, she was she was a bit repulsed by that question. Your mum was a very attractive woman. Mm. Other people would understand. It wasn't based on that. <laughs> no, it, it was, was just, just natural child. I'd seen curiosity. them do it on the telly. You don't know what's sexual and what isn't then, yeah. because nothing's sexual then. That's right, and you can imagine my life was super sexual then. Uh, <laughs> Radlett in the 80s. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, though. They didn't kiss with tongues in Radlett in the 80s. No, they didn't. It's like when you think of Britain in the brief encounter years... Uh, I bet tongue kissing was quite a licentious, deviant activity. Yes, and probably American as well. Probably, I know we call it French kissing, probably seen as an American thing, as it probably Hollywood really brought that along. Well, film kisses from that period are the worst. It's just people bashing their faces together and then twisting <laughs> them from side to side. And it just looks so horrible. So they used to grind pepper in those days. <laughs> I'd imagine there are some evolutionary uh, benefits to the tongue. Partly it's got a lot of... Uh, sensory receptors in it mm. and so not only can you you feel more and uh, give somebody else more action in their mouth but also there's probably something which uh, is triggered in your mind by the taste of the other person yes yeah, so i was going to say taste is a sense isn't it and, yeah you apparently know, but it does make sense doesn't it if you're attracted to someone if you want to consume them there's an element of well you you can smell them and before yeah. you touch them you can actually taste them as well perhaps. but it, it, it sort of introduces the tactile motif of penetration doesn't it which is uh, apparently a big part of sexual intercourse i can't believe you said that in this podcast the tactile motif wash your mouth out martin <laughs> cut out your tiny tongue you're here to make licentious remarks <laughs> you're not supposed to say quasi-academic things like that <laughs> can't you say ballsack have <laughs> you lost the talent i'm not familiar with the works of ballsack uh, you're right that it's it's a sort of foreplay or a kind of uh, a meta version of uh, the exchange of fluids isn't it that is to come and and the the placing of bodily objects into orifices of the body well yes and also of course it's something you could do before marriage isn't it i mean nowadays well, it's less relevant Martin but in the I days didn't before we got married <laughs> <laughs> but it's something to you know if you'd never had sex before and you knew how to wait two years before having sex then kissing mm. would be a really big deal wouldn't it you'd want to innovate that kiss every possible way you could like one day you'd have a bit of ginger on your tongue. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Anything. One day you'd have a little party whistle in there. <laughs> what is that? False moustache. <laughs> a condom on your tongue. <laughs> is that, does this taste of menthol? Oh, yeah, it's one of the delay ones. <laughs> <laughs> that might be useful if you're eating your dinner too quickly. <laughs> in this time of purse strings tightening, the internet's a smorgasbord of fabulous free things. Like showbiz news, no need for magazines stalking your old school friends. Videos of fat kids falling over, stealing films and music. Sharing photos of your nan, filing your tax return. But by far my favourite free thing to type is answer me this into Skype. Here's a question from Amy from York, who says, Ollie, answer me this. In stop motion animation, what do they use to animate water? 
Good question. Is it shiny things like shiny cellophane or shiny fabric or shiny? I, yes. <laughs> shiny, 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 shiny things that are plastic. water. Um, I think. <laughs> I think sometimes they do actually just use water, uh, but oh. obviously the problem is that's quite hard to control if you want it to move. Uh, they always mm. say never work with children, animals, or water. <laughs> so it's fine if, if, for example, there's a cup of tea in the background of the shot and it's not going to move at all. Then you could probably use real liquid. Mm. But of course, as soon as it needs to move, so for example, if it's the ocean, if it's the sea then yeah you need to use something iridescent so that it looks shiny and like water because if you're doing frame by frame then you're not getting a continuous shot of the water so if you have to move the character bit by bit then and the water needs to move at the same time obviously you need to be in control of that whereas water bloody nightmare apparently sometimes they use hair gel Okay, um, that must stink. James and the Giant Peach. Mm-hmm. There was um, a water fountain in the background in oh, one of shiny. like a square. That's tricky. Yeah, very tricky, right? So apparently, what they had is that this. Imagine how painful. I know everything about stop motion animation is incredibly painful and laborious. Anyway, it's like you hate yourselves, yeah. stop motion animators, especially when computer animation exists now as well. I mean, it really is. It's almost a, a sort of extravagant way of of self flagellation. But anyway, they had. Um, uh, water fountains and what they did is they had a series of sculptures of water fountains showing oh. the water in different stages what? and each time they moved a frame they swapped the water fountain for the next one so that it gave the impression of movement throughout the sequence it's a great job for people with OCD isn't it? <laughs> it really is uh, my name's Gavin from Hull uh, Helen Lawley Anthony is my uh, my sister's just got a baby and everything everything that was bought for the baby seems to have giraffes on it I'm wondering what the connection is with giraffes and babies. Well, what's the connection between babies and Elmer the Elephant? Or babies and little skyrockets printed all over their pyjamas? Or babies and the ABC, something that they yeah. don't really have to learn for about another two and a half years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> got to put something on it, haven't you? And yeah. it would be inappropriate to uh, put adult themes on their clothes. And the colour scheme of giraffes is quite good for hiding piss and shit stains and sick <laughs> <laughs> that's a very uh, rational reason that uh, i hadn't considered and also it's a non-gender specific animal because all little girl stuff which is why i don't believe your giraffe theory gavin all stuff for little girls is covered in butterflies okay that's interesting so maybe it's a metaphor for the new life that the baby represents but that only really works if maternity clothes were covered in caterpillars yes mm. i don't want to get into the whole area of like blue gender for boys specific, and pink no, for girls yeah. uh, i am interested in the idea of uh, gender specific animals though i mean mm. uh, take a take an elephant oh i i think of that as female but i think it's because it it nurtures its young for so long okay rook male monkey Male. male. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I think of monkey as male as well, but then it has quite a male tendency, doesn't it? In what, terms to of how spunk everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, the whole kind of I don't know the slight infantilization of chimpanzees. The way people go like, "Oh, your cheeky monkey" is very much like yeah. you're a little boy, isn't it? Even yeah. if they're female monkeys. Oh, go on. Uh, koala. Mm, lazy male or sexless female. I think that's gender non-specific. Actually, yeah. koala. I, I think those categories that you just outlined would be harsh things to prescribe to a baby. <laughs> but um, interesting. Jackson leads. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Since I've been getting a free period off school every uh, end of Thursday, I've found myself going to the cinema, making it a tradition. And since it's Thursday daytime, there's usually nobody there except me, maybe a couple of people are. Answering this, how acceptable is it to move into one of the more, the premium seats? After, as I, the way I see it, I've paid for quite a bit of a ticket anyway, so... 
if no one's going to be sitting there, is it not just a waste to sit there myself? Well, it's kind of fine, isn't it? But the fact that you're calling us about it suggests you have a guilty conscience for doing it. You know that it's not quite right and it's not what you paid for. You know that there's some niggling doubt there. I don't understand the whole premium pricing of seats The premium thing, anyway. yeah, it's a crock, isn't it? Rubbish. It is rubbish. A bigger cup holder. <laughs> Give over. Well, you... no, there's leather padding as well. I don't want that Very in important a seat. if you're seeing a fetish it, film. I, I, want, I want something that is not a leather seat. If anything, I'd have to take a blanket to cover it. The problem with the premium seats is not so much that they're more comfortable, which is why you'd want to sit there, because I agree with you. Actually, in a modern multiplex cinema, they're all roughly the same level of comfort yeah. anyway. The issue is they block out the two rows that roughly are the ones you'd want to sit in, aren't they? About halfway back. So, so you're paying for the location, really. Oh, I see. So it's, you know, from that point of view, yes, I agree. I'd, I'd move there if I could. Have you ever, when you were a kid, especially perhaps underage, snuck into a uh, screening of a film for which you did not have a ticket? Uh, well, as an adult, uh, my friend Julie and I were going to go and see a Mike Lee film and she watched the credits and she said, this is going to be depressing. And I said, yes, well, it is a Mike Lee film. I was surprised that you suggested it. It doesn't seem to be really your bag. And so we went into another screen instead and I think we watched um, Red Dragon, which was rubbish. Well, I went to see Boogie Nights when I was too young to go and see Boogie Nights. Jesus, you um, deviant. By buying a ticket for a 15 and then sneaking into an 18 and it was full. Oh, so, so what did you do? Well, it was unreserved seating. So me and my friend got there during the, the trailers, then sat down. And then when people came in with tickets, they were really furious because they couldn't get a seat. And you and they, didn't care. And then they brought in someone with like a torch, like turned oh, the lights on, was like, no. there are people in here who shouldn't have tickets. I'm not going to own up then because you're going to get chucked out of the cinema. And you're quite a good actor, so you probably wore your most innocent face. So what happened? Uh, the, the other people got their money back and turned away, said, sorry, there aren't any more seats, it's sold out. So yeah. We'd fuck them over, but at that point, you can't admit defeat, can you? It's too embarrassing. <laughs> You're a monster. Well, I hope it was worth it, Ollie. Um, it was quite a good film, actually. If you're going to sneak in to see an 18 when you're too young, I think Boogie Nights is quite a good one. If, yeah, because you're getting William H. Macy and John C. Riley yeah. for your illicit viewing. All of the initials. If you're in a nearly empty cinema on a Thursday afternoon, I think it's very unlikely that the staff really give a shit where you're sitting. Yeah. What a joy as well. What was your what was your free period joy when you were in the... I imagine he's probably in the sixth form. We weren't allowed to do anything. We had to go to the library. Really? Occasionally people go to the music rooms to cop off. My free period treat uh, when I was in the sixth form. Did you have free periods? Because you went to hippie schools. So the whole thing was voluntary, man. Everything's a free period. Uh, yeah, yeah, we did. We'd have like... I think it was Wednesday afternoons. We'd finish at like 12. Learn or don't learn. I don't care. <laughs> Make your own decisions, guys. It's well, autonomous. I went to the gym. <laughs> that was honestly I know time well invested eh? that was the most um, illicit activity you could think of <laughs> I got really into it when I was in the sixth form Wednesday afternoons me and Ben used to go to the gym together muscle man yeah that's so weird all my friends went to the pub and played pool and smoked fags and in my pre- free periods I probably did physics homework hi Helen Ollie and Martin this is Toby from Eastbourne I've just had a packet of fruit pastels where all I got was red sweets with the exception of one green one when I said this to my friend, they said I had better chances of winning the lottery. Is that true? The lottery is going to be harder to win because you, although you've only got half a dozen balls to match, whereas in, in the fruit pastels you've got 14, yeah. uh, instead of there being just five or six flavours, there are... Well, it goes up to double figures, doesn't it, of lottery balls? However 49, many I think. Yeah, 49. So you know, don't you, that clearly the, the odds on the lottery are still pretty high. But but in pastel terms, it's still remarkable, I think, to get 13 pastels all the same colour. Oh, but would you want them all to be green? No! Never. Uh, I'm doing this off the top of my head, so I might have got some of the factors out, but I think it's about one in six billion. Oh, so it's much rarer than a lottery win. Yeah, if I've got that right, yeah. No, there's no way you've got that right. (laughs) For the reason I said, that can't be true. It's unlikely, but it's not as unlikely as winning tens of millions of pounds. 
And it's not as good, is it? No, it's definitely I mean, not how as long, good. How long can you dine out on this? How many of your friends are desperately trying to get you to have one of your green fruit pastels? <laughs> Did you ever see the internet myth about the uh, lady who thought it would be uh, sexually entertaining oh, no. to be licked out with fruit pastels inside her? Is the fizz going to cause us some gynecological problems? The internet myth was that her mm. boyfriend chomped down on one and it turned out to be a genital wart. Oh, that's stupid. It's uh, ridiculous, isn't it? But I've seen it written about in numerous forums oh, so of that must type. Be true. Well, I've seen Pride and Prejudice written about a lot, so that must have been a true story as well. I think some people genuinely do hope that it was. That Lizzie Bennett had genital warts shaped yeah. like fruit pastels. <laughs> That's why the book ends when it does. Yes, it's better that way. They lived happily ever after. Nothing happened. I like reading, but not while I'm driving. Apparently that's illegal. I want to listen to Richard Dawkins reading Darwin's Voyage of the Beagle. Me too. Well, now we can do that and I'll keep my licence by signing up for a free audiobook. Let's go to answermethispodcast.com slash audible and have a look now. Here's a question from Ian in St Albans who says, Today I noticed on the news that a woman had been to see Les Miserables at the theatre 957 times. (laughs) One day more. (laughs) (laughs) And then some. (laughs) She might have been a few more times since he sent this email. Mm. How long is Les Mis? Uh, In the theatre, it's about four hours of your life because you've got the interval in the middle. Well, it's not only a time cost because Ian says, so far, this has cost her an estimated... £50,000! Oh, wow. It's a bit over 50 quid a time. Ian says, I remarked to my wife that I thought it was rather odd for someone to do this. Mm. But my wife's view was that as long as the person is getting enjoyment, there is nothing wrong with it. That's right, yes. If you enjoy watching a convict manning the barricades of a revolution as his comrades die around him, there's nothing weird about that. See it as many times as you like. Any compulsive behaviour, as long as they're enjoying it, there's nothing wrong with it. Take your joy in whatever pain you seek. Well, Ian disagrees with his wife. He says, surely it cannot be good for someone to be so hooked on something to that extent. My wife was quick to point out that I watch some of my favourite TV and movies over and over, e.g. Frasier and White Christmas. However, 957 times, come on! Yeah, exactly, you could not get through the Frasier episodes where Daphne's mum is in it more than (laughs) once. Anyway, Ian says, Ollie, answer me this. Is it weird to see a show time and time and time and time again? Well, the the example that you raise, Ian, of watching the same thing at Christmas, which I imagine is why you watch White Christmas a lot. Well, he hasn't said that he watches it at Christmas. No, he hasn't. But I, like I say, I you're imagine assuming. I interpret. You're normalising it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you watch White Christmas every day, then you're a hypocrite. Yes. But because I do that Christmas thing myself, I, I yeah. watch Mary Poppins every Christmas. That's not even a Christmas film, it's just a Christmas compatible it's film. It's a really Christmassy feeling. For, like, musicals yet, somehow are right at Christmas. Little Shop of Horrors, that's not Christmassy. Even I, though Christmas is plants. Well, meh, meh. I think all musicals are slightly Christmassy, but Mary Poppins in particular. But the point is, I watch it every Boxing Day. I feel like Boxing Day isn't Boxing Day unless I've seen it. And yeah, you've never bloody seen The Sound of Music, you pervert. Yeah, no, I've never seen that. Why? What's wrong with you? Because Mary Poppins fills that function for me, ticks that box for me. Every Christmas, I think... I want that candy stripe jacket that Bert's wearing in the Jolly Holiday sequence and then I forget all about it. But then you might watch Sound of Music and think, I want those uh, romper suits made out of curtains that all those kids are wearing. You haven't given yourself the chance. There's a whole different scale. Like I, I, I dread to think how many times I've seen the film Aliens. I can quote that film almost verbatim. Uh-huh. But 
This woman has watched Lemmy's the equivalent of six months without sleeping continuously <laughs> in her life. Think about that. That is terrifying. That's like Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. No, I think... I think what you were hinting at there regarding my lack of interest in the sound of music is part of the conversation here, isn't it? Not to take anything away from her love of Les Mis. I think it's a good piece of work. It's a good show. But when you're seeing it that many times, it... it uh... it's, it's a compulsion. It's no longer discovery or enjoyment. It's the unwillingness to let go of the familiar in favour of a fresh experience, maybe. It betrays a lack of curiosity about other art. It's like, the, it? ho- it's like the hoarding of... of- culture isn't it yeah there's other things she would have missed because she, she would perhaps never know about the work of david sneddon because she was watching Les <laughs> how do you think she feels about the film well I, I think the problem with this is even though les mis is a massive show i think one of the most successful musicals of all time nonetheless she probably feels it's her thing like she probably mm. thinks well if i i don't know if she's seen it more than anyone else in the world she probably has she probably thinks this is my little secret and it's that thing of the whole world then being able to do a thing that you love you know, like when you really love a band and you listen to their CD every day and then suddenly they get a number one, It, you know. Well, also, she's been to the theatre. Yeah. I'm speculating that Ian saw her on local news, not national. So if this woman lives in St Albans, she's got to come into London. Yeah. She's got to get to Cambridge Circus, as was, and yeah, yeah, now yeah. wherever it is. Now, that's, that can be £13, even off peak. Yeah, well, I suppose, though, she's thinking, they suffered on the barricades, I can do this <laughs> again. Or at least a sandwich on the way. I mean, there is something reassuring about seeing the same thing again and again. This is why children like things to be repeated, isn't it? This is why people listen to our podcast. Well, and, and you know, this is why actually a lot of those kinds of formulaic uh, kind of lifestyle shows that I enjoy, I do watch every week, even though they are basically the same. I mean, I've seen a lot of episodes of The Hotel Inspector. That's basically the same show every week. I might as well be watching a repeat. Yes, reality shows, even though reality is a prey to... A, a potential infinity of different paths. The editing tends to be very similar all the time. Yeah. Well, Undercover Boss is one. I love yeah. Undercover Boss. But once you've seen it a few times, you've really you can imagine it in your mind. You yeah. can just imagine a company and then play out that whole hour <laughs> in your imagination. Yeah. Well, because and the the thing that's ruined it for me now is I watch it and as they meet the members of staff, I'm like, okay, what's wrong with this one? Dead kid, disabled mum. Cancer. She's got cancer. She she could never finish her degree because she was caring for her mum who had cancer. Yeah. And you know when you see them, you're like, okay, well, that's the story. And that's kind of ruined it because the first time you almost, you went along with it, didn't you? And you I can't thought, believe this guy at Yankee Candle's yeah. got cancer. <laughs> the man who runs Subway is just so nice. The first time you actually genuinely believe he may have just stumbled across a member of staff who happened to have this tragic circumstance, yeah. happened to have been homeless. Mm. And then when you see it for the fourth time, you're like, oh, okay, they actually researched this and they go around finding people with sub stories and everyone yeah, knows that they're a TV show and like oh okay oh do they uh, well, yeah. but still you know it works on Ollie Man it's every time yeah, it's some, there's something reassuring about the fact that yeah. you know that it's safe and it's going to be the same you know that your button is going to be pushed at the 30 minute mark and the 50 minute mark and actually with Lemis it is very sad you know and it mm-hmm. is that thing as well she probably knows it's, she probably cries every time and so maybe she's looking for that depth of emotion well that brings us to the end of this week's episode of you Answer Me you are kidding me we have to remind you listeners to go and get your free audible audiobook and you can do that by going to our website answermethispodcast.com slash audible do it now it helps us it will help you get a lovely book in your ears uh, and there's lots of other stuff on our website as well not least of course the contact details of how you can send us a question for us to do on next week's show oh yes please join us next week to see which of those questions that we haven't had yet makes it into the show. Bye! Bye.